Good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. It is a rainy Wednesday morning. It's about 9.20 a.m. And I believe today is the 9th. The 9th of May. May 9th. Uh, I am, as usual, on my way to work. Uh some of my thoughts for you awesome people. Um, amazingly enough, I don't have a lot on my mind this morning. <laughs> uh, it's been a pretty good week. Um, to uh, be reconciled to some people, which was always helpful. Uh, I don't get to do that very often because I, I guess I don't feel, uh, I haven't felt much, um, I don't know what the word is, but <clears throat> I haven't had a lot of problems with people, I guess, but uh, we did have, that was in the context of this cafe that we've started, uh, have, have some uh, hurt feelings and uh, dashed hopes and expectations uh, in the process and we uh, made some mistakes and probably said things before we had thought them out sometimes and uh, so we've had to work through that as a team and I'm just so amazed when this doesn't happen very often but the, the trepidation of a meeting like that, when you once you find out that people's uh, feelings have been hurt and and that there's some talk going on about you behind your back, um, I think even five years ago, I would have been on the attack. You know, how do we uh, how do we prove our innocence? And, and and you know, of course, what they did is way worse than what we did. Blah blah blah. I think I would have gone that direction regardless of the situation, right? Um, but in this case, and, and this was dealing with some young Christians, younger than me anyway, uh, by about 20 some odd years, um, we had a group of mature lovers of Jesus who got together and were able to work through things so well by the grace of Jesus um, that I truly believe there's a possibility that our relationships will be stronger because of this uh, and, and not damaged even though uh, I'll speak for myself even though I made mistakes in this process um, and I hurt some people's feelings and uh, I think when when people get together and they're not out to win, um, but they're out to love each other back to reconciliation, I think I think there's hope for the entire world if we can get enough people to believe in that process. You know, how do you love the world back into reconciliation? How do you how do you love your family back to a point of reconciliation, or your church, or your office? How do we love each other back to a point where our relationship
relationships are repaired. Now, I'm not saying that this same group may not have some problems in the future. You know, I, I hope we don't. Uh, I really hope that we don't. But uh, I now have confidence that when we do, that we can... Uh, first of all, I think because of this situation, I think we'll make fewer mistakes. I really think that. I think we'll be much more sensitive and careful um, because the situation happened. And if a situation does arise, uh, I think I've learned, perhaps for the first time, um, in all but theory, uh, I, I, I learned that reconciliation is possible when uh, humility kind of wins the day. Um, and I, I'm talking about this from all sides. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think human beings left to their own devices would ever reconcile this way. I just don't think it happens. Uh, I think it takes Christ in you uh, to be truly um, ready to lose. You know, ready to admit your faults and to take responsibility for them. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think, <clears throat> I think, uh, that's all Jesus. I couldn't have done that by myself. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'll title this episode, Loving, Loving Our Way Back to Reconciliation. The funny thing is, I wasn't going to talk about this. I was kind of reluctant to talk about this. Um. But let's let's talk about the the opposite that often happens. Uh, usually, once a significant wedge is drawn between people, uh, it can take years to remove it if it ever gets removed. And oftentimes, it's only removed in name, but but not at the at the heart level. Those hurts uh, can continue. Um, to plague us and um, influence the decisions we make in our, our in the relationships we have with those closest to us. You know, oftentimes we talk about how things uh, pile up and then one day they just spill out, right? So we uh, we get hurt little by little, but we don't say anything, and those things uh, pile up and. Uh, grow larger and larger until one day it's like it's like a Jenga tower. Uh, it all comes tumbling down um, because there just isn't a way for it to stay up anymore. Uh, all of all of those resources have been exhausted in trying to maintain that house of cards, if you will. Um, but it was always a fragile house. You know, it was always a fragile structure. But it becomes more and more so uh, the longer you let it fester. Now, I'm not sure about this, right? So I I, I want to kind of talk through um, some of the 
um, problems that have happened in the past. You know, we, if we look at the Old Testament, most um, conflicts uh, were fought over. There were deaths and wars. Um, uh, you take David and Absalom, for example. So Absalom was David's son. Absalom wanted to be king, uh, and so he ends up fighting against his father. And his father's, uh, the head of his father's army, the head of David's army, ends up killing Absalom. And of course, this destroys David. He never wanted his son to die in the process. Um, but yeah, well, the war did happen. If David could have backed up, if, if David would have known that uh, the outcome was going to be so uh, final, perhaps he would have sought another way of resolution. You know? Uh, as a father, I, I don't think... I can't think of any limits that I wouldn't go to for my children. You know? Uh, even, even when they're acting up and, and perhaps uh, wanting more than they deserve or can handle. Um... If it's that or death, I'm not sure, you know, that I wouldn't 100% of the time uh, capitulate to their demands. Um, a child's death is just not anything a parent ever wants. Not a good parent. Um, so, you know, so many times in the Old Testament we see that things went wrong, right? Uh, in fact, you might say that the Old Testament is the history of poor ways to resolve conflict. <laughs> poor conflict resolution techniques. Maybe. I mean, you could say that about the history of the world, probably. Take uh, the Greek myth of, of Helen of Troy and the, the siege of Troy that... that uh, people believe lasted for 10 years all because a a uh, woman uh, left her husband and went to another country. Now the woman happened to be the queen of one country and the, uh, the guy that lured her away was the prince of another. Uh, that's bad. Um, but could there have been better ways to resolve the situation if uh, cooler heads had uh, what do you call it? What is this word? Cooler heads had um, prosper is not the word, but I think you know what I mean. Uh, if they had ruled the day, but the hotheads are the ones that made the decisions, and so we get a ten-year siege of the city. Uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, people die, uh, and yeah, just uh, untold expense. Time uh, were all all because uh, the the angry people got their way. You know, things could have been so different. I mean, I guess you could look at uh, every war, right? Was there a way to stop Hitler that didn't involve the uh, slaughter of millions? I don't know. Because we didn't try. We've never tried. As far as I know. I mean, I guess negotiations happen uh, oftentimes before uh, um, wars 
to start. Um, usually we're not willing to to go very far. You know, we determine the other person's wrong, therefore it's their job to, uh, to stop what they're doing. And of course, I'm not defending Hitler. <laughs> no, no. Um, but still, I, I mourn all of the deaths, all of the people who suffered and were in pain uh, in all wars. Uh, if only you can remember this idiom. Uh, only cooler heads had persevered, endured. No, that's not quite the right word. I can't remember. Prevailed, thank you. If only cooler heads had prevailed, uh, so many things uh, may have been different. And I think this is especially true with relationships with those you love, and perhaps less true uh, with uh, people who are bent on aggression and destruction. I don't envy the people who have to make the decisions to resort to violence, to meet violence. Uh, personally, where I'm at now, I don't think I can do that. Like, that's not, that's not a jump I could make. For example, if I were, if I were president uh, of a country today, I, in good conscience, would not be able to send troops to war. Question is, in good conscience, could I choose not to protect my own citizens? Uh, and these are things that I'm just glad I don't have to. I don't have to decide. You know, uh, I don't have to make that decision. I do believe that life is precious, and I do believe we can die uh, with dignity. Um, but I don't believe that death. Was ever the uh, plan of our Creator as a way that we should end our existence on this earth? I don't. I don't think our existence was meant to have a shelf life. In other words, I think that's the result of the uh, conflict of sin that entered into this world. I think I talked about la you know last week about uh, DNA and. What, what exactly have we received uh, in our DNA from from the first humans who sinned? You know, how has sin physically come into us? And we were reading Romans chapter 5 uh, yesterday with a group of Christians at the cafe. They meet every week and, and I got to sit in on that a little bit and really great passage, the middle of Romans chapter 5, um, which talks about how through one man's sin entered the world. Uh, and man, I wish I could remember, there was some very specific things that I saw there for the first time, you know, that I, they kind of jumped out at me. Perhaps because, you know, I'm, this is the thing I'm looking at right now. What, what is, what could be 
uh, meant by original sin, uh, the doctrine of original sin, which uh, um, our Catholic brothers um, uh, perhaps believe in more than we do. Um, what could that be? Um, I think is a great discussion to have because you know Romans seems to talk about how. Oh, here it is. So uh, from Adam to Moses. Okay, so where there is no law, there can be no sin. Okay, so this was this was something that was said about the time I believe between Adam and Moses. There was no law, so there can be no transgression. Right? If there's no law, how can you break it? Um, but even so, between Adam and Moses, death reigned. Paul says, between Adam and Moses, death was still there, but but sin was at least a different concept. But but as Paul says somewhere else, the wages of sin is death. Right? So sin, in some uh, way, shape, or form was present because death was present. Death only comes from sin. Okay? And I don't care if you live, uh, you know, five minutes or you live uh, 969 years. Uh, the reason you die is because death, uh, yeah, sorry, is because sin, because sin, the wages of sin is death. And so. Uh, through sin, death entered the world, right? Through the sin of Adam and Eve. Um, because they chose uh, to... This is interesting. This, this is really interesting. So, if Adam and Eve... Hmm, I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. I want to get some heat. It's actually really cold here today. Uh, what is the outside temperature here? Let's see. Outside temperature is 11? Is that possible? This is 11 Celsius, and here we are in the middle of May. Uh, it should be more like 19. It's pretty cold today. I'm going to get some heat. My, my tootsies are just a little bit cold. Just doesn't bother the mic too much, but uh, I'll turn it down another notch. Uh, so, this is what's interesting. So, how could Adam and Eve have sinned if there was no law? Well, there was a law. Okay, there was one law. This is interesting. There was one law, one rule. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat that fruit. That was the only law. One rule. They had one rule and they broke it. Okay? So because there was transgression, they sinned. And because they sinned, uh, lowercase s, sin, and uh, by proxy, death, or uppercase sin, if you will, entered into the physical body somehow through ingesting of the forbidden fruit ingested of the forbidden fruit sin and by proxy death entered the world they sinned and sin 
So I, I right now, uh, theologically speaking, I, I do kind of believe in a um, doctrine of original sin, and I think I think there is a difference uh, between original sin and the sins that we may commit daily. I think there's a difference there. Uh, I think one sin uh, is caused by weakness and perhaps the uppercase sin that is in our physical body that that makes us uh, susceptible to temptations. Uh, I think that's one. But that, but that sin that's in our body, I believe that's a corrupting influence that is of some physical nature that has not only entered our bodies uh, but into the whole creation. This is why we have weeds and mosquitoes, volcanoes, hurricanes, tidal waves, earthquakes, um, tornadoes. Uh, this is why we have man-eating tigers and why we have uh, flesh-eating bacteria, uh, why we have cancer, um, why we get the common cold. I think anything that has corrupted us in a physical nature, I believe is that what I will, I will, I will refer to as uppercase sin um, or original sin, as it's sometimes called. Uh, something that we've received from our sinful ancestors that's been handed down to us. And I talk about that in my last podcast, uh, last week. Um, but the idea uh, that there was a time when there was no law, and yet sin or death was present, death reigned, uh, when the law entered into the picture with Moses, uh, now there is sins. Now there are sins that you can commit. There are, there are very specifically uh, numerated uh, and um, yeah, specific laws uh, that have been written down and punishments that go with it. If you do this, this will happen to you. Uh, so don't do this, and don't do this, don't do this. If you do this, uh, bad things will happen. If you don't do this, you will prosper. Actually created sin, so now we can now we can sin lowercase. So now we can actually commit sins because there's a law. There's a law, and therefore we can transgress it. And so mankind enters into this covenant, right? The covenant uh, that is governed by the law of Moses with God, and they promise to follow the laws uh, and accept the consequences when they don't. Okay, so this is a new era. Now Paul says uh, elsewhere that the reason the law was given was so people would sin more. <laughs> okay, listen again. The reason the law was given so that people would sin more, that, that transgression would increase. 
Jesus. The law becomes a measuring stick by we by which we measure ourselves up against the Almighty, and we constantly fail to uphold the law, and so we constantly fail to measure up to the stature of God. Right? Uh, and so we are in constant um, awareness of our own shortcomings because the law points that out. Right? Uh, and so this was something that mankind needed to go through. Now we probably needed to go through this because sin, uppercase sin, corruption if you will, had entered into the picture and was causing death. The only way out was to realize just how bad that sin is, right? Just how, just how unable we are um, to earn our way back to favor with our Creator. Uh, and then, in the, in the, uh, what do you call it, in the climax of that reality, right, when Israel is probably at one of its lowest points, uh, Jesus Christ enters the world uh, and brings in a new era, right, where the law can be fulfilled and therefore done away with, right? Uh, he fulfills the law and brings us back to uh, an environment where there is no law, right? There is no law uh, other than love. And the problem is love is the nature of God. And so, how, how can we, who are made in the image of God and have some of His divine nature in us, why would we ever have to be told to love? This, this should be something that we know instinctively. And I think this is, I think we do know it in certain cases instinctively from people who have never uh, met God uh, to, to people who have spent their entire life trying to please God. I think we all have the instinct to love inside of us and and know when we've wronged someone. Uh, whether we have the instinct to love maybe is questionable, but at least we do understand when we've hurt somebody, when we've wronged someone. Uh, I think the conscience uh, that we've been given is is proof that that we have some of the divine in us. We know right from wrong. Um, so, I need to go a little bit deeper into the theology of uh, what the knowledge of, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil actually means. Um, that's an interesting subject. Um, but, you know, going back to reconciliation, we have come, uh, to use a bad commercial, we've come a long way, baby, uh, you know, to, from a point of, uh, uh, Cain killing Abel because of jealousy, 
to where Abraham and Lot actually split up and go their separate ways uh, from entire wars uh, taken on by family to resolve conflict, um, from accusations, false accusations, and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not espionage, but uh, yeah, sabotage and all kinds of other things that have happened down through the years in, in, in our history um, to resolve conflict or to try to get our way or to try to destroy someone else. Um, to where Jesus comes and fulfills the law for us, uh, forgiving all of us of all of our sins, past, present, and future, uh, and just saying, it's okay, you, you are all children of God, um, just love each other, work on that, love each other. And that, in a sense, it's called a command, but, but in another sense, it should be the most natural thing for us to do, if we can have the, the shackles of sin loosened or or removed from us altogether, um, and then love should be natural because that's when we reclaim our true humanness as image bearers of the Almighty God, as modeled by Jesus Christ uh, and sustained now by the Holy Spirit. So, uh, to, to look at love as a command, I, I think is, I think I think Jesus was accommodating. Man who asked, "What's the greatest commandment?" I think he was accommodating his uh, preconceived ideas that commands were necessary. Uh, but a, but a command to love by someone who is an image bearer of God, I, I don't think we see it as a command. I think we it as we live into and lean into uh, the indwelling life of Christ. I think it's something that should be coming more and more natural to us. You know, if, if I only love somebody because I've been commanded to do so, uh, well, there's little benefit in there for anyone. But if I love because my heart is broken for the uh, conditions that I find people in, uh, and I want to do whatever I can to bring them comfort uh, and perhaps joy, Hopefully that's coming out of a very natural space and not because, oh yeah, well, yeah, I'm commanded to do that, so yeah, I better do that. Um, and maybe we have to start there. Maybe we all have to start with commands to realize that it's not the way to go. Uh, just like uh, the people of Israel, uh, you know, they were at the foot of Mount Sinai and, 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 and God says, you know, will you be my covenant people? Uh, not in so many words. And and the people say, they don't say, yes, we will love you, or uh, we want to walk with you, or, or you know, we, we want to grow deeper in our relationship with you. They don't say that. What they say is, tell us what to do and we'll do it. So God accommodates that. He says, well, if that's, if that's what you think you need at this point, I'm going to do that. You're not going to like it. Uh, it's going to be burdensome, but it's going to help you 
be brought to a better place where you realize someday, where, where you will recognize. Uh, let me say this again. So, God accommodates them by giving them the law, realizing that it's not the best thing for them, that it would be uh, something quite burdensome for them. Uh, but he does it so that they will feel the weight of that and cry out to God. And because of that that position of desperation, perhaps they would recognize Jesus when he came in the flesh, when he was God incarnate, walking before them, teaching. Perhaps they would recognize him. Uh, and of course, we know that happened with some. Not everybody recognized him. But some did, and he, he spoke into their lives, and, and uh, his life into them. And they're the reason that, that you and I are talking today. You know, that, that life has somehow been passed down from Jesus through the apostles and, and innumerable disciples uh, all the way to me uh, and you. It's a wonderful legacy. Uh, but, you know, conflict resolution and reconciliation uh, we do we do know how to best go about that. Um, though God accommodated our sinful ways to do that, uh, with the hopes that one day we would see uh, the way, Jesus, the way. Um, uh, I think He He calls us to a better way today, and I think I think we're getting there. I I feel like finally, perhaps, we're on the way. So, yeah, I'm about at my destination. I'm going to have to sign off. I did not even take a swallow of my coffee. I may have to chug it once I get there. <laughs> um, it's been great talking to you guys, and uh, thank you for uh, supporting the podcast. We'll talk to you guys later.